Well, good morning. We have been studying uh, through the beginning of Romans, and we have labeled this series Tug of War. And this is our fourth week in the series, and we've been talking about how God and culture have seemed to be pulling in this back-and-forth motion for, su- for some time now. And we see in the, the book of Romans where there's this culture, this group of people that, that, that live in Rome who are fighting constantly with the Christians. Now, this isn't necessarily fighting matches like punching and killing each other, but more of like there is which way is the right way to live? Which morals are the right way that we are supposed to live by? You have the Roman people who kind of want to live the way they want to live. They want to uh, do what they want to do. And we have the Christians who are trying to figure out what it is like to follow Christ. And they're trying to devote themselves to Christ. And we've seen kind of this back and forth on culture and God. We've seen the back and forth between culture and the Christians and how Paul responded to that. We've seen the back and forth between the Christians and God. And today we kind of see the final conversation between the Christians and God and, and, and something that is very important that we need to understand in our Christian life. Um, this week, we are talking about how God views us when we read the book of Romans. We see that there's an answer to us kind of pulling back on God from last week that we talked about. We're going back and forth trying to figure out what are we supposed to do, and Paul gives some insight on how God wants to view us. So we're going to be in Romans 4 today. Uh, and if you want to follow along, uh, we have a QR code that Drew talked about before. And uh, in that QR code, there is all sorts of information outside of the sermon notes. If you're new with us, if you're watching online, uh, there is a I'm new tab. If you would fill that out, we'd love to get to connect with you and see if Elevate um, is the church for you. Um, so let me read this to you guys. As you follow along, Romans 4, 1 through 11 says this. What shall we say about Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in, his, in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, boast about but not before God. See, before I continue, Abraham was considered the father because the Messiah, Jesus, who we worship, was supposed to come from his bloodline. So we had Father Abraham, who was the start of the Jewish people, the start, we have the Israelites, we have the Jewish people, God's chosen people. And God's chosen people were chosen because the Messiah, the person who's going to come and make everything right, was supposed to come out of the line of Abraham. So the Jews kind of labeled him Father because the Jewish people, the chosen people, came out of Abraham. And that's why he is so important. So continuing on, what, what does Scripture say? Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their, flesh is, sorry, their faith is credited as righteousness. David said the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credited righteousness apart from his works. Blessed are those who, whose transgressions are forgiven 
whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also from the, for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that God had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but are not, have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. This is God pulling back on the Christians, or if we can call it kind of pulling back. The credit that righteousness comes from believing in God and having faith in God. Abraham was given everything eternity before he did any works. See, this was really hard for the Jews to understand. Because the Jews, their entire life, were following this law. And they're trying to be holy. If they followed the law and did that break the law, they, be, they were considered holy. And if they didn't follow the law, if they broke the law, then they were in sin. In this entire life of the Jews, they were trying to make sure that they were, hurt, they were holy and making things right with God. And the non-Jews, the people who have been living with them, amongst them for a very long time, have been reprimanded by the Jews for so long. The Jews have been pointing at the non-Jews, telling them, why don't you guys ever follow the law? God gave us the law. We need to follow the law. So you have these two groups of people that the only thing that they've been doing for thousands of years is trying to achieve and trying to figure out how much they need to achieve to get to heaven. It's almost like if you go to church every single week and, you, and you're like, if I go to church every single week, then maybe I can go to heaven. Or if it's like, maybe if I just lead that Bible study. Or I, or I decide to mentor somebody. Maybe when I decide to mentor somebody, then I can go to heaven. But, but maybe I shouldn't mentor because I haven't gone to church enough and I haven't studied enough. But maybe I just need to, to follow somebody else. Maybe, maybe I need to be mentored more. It's almost like we're trying to achieve this God material. Like, I am, I, I am not God material yet, therefore I need to do all these things to make sure I am God material so I am credited as righteous. It's like the person who calls a cleaning lady to come to their house, but they're so embarrassed by how dirty their house is that they start cleaning before the cleaning lady comes, just in time for that person to come and see that they, it's already clean. That they, they, even though they have invited somebody that can make it for them, that has, that has offered their service, they try to do it before that person comes in. The Jews spent generations doing this. I'm unclean. I need to fix myself. So that doesn't happen again. So they set up boundaries and over boundaries. And what had happened is that they became so secluded that when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, they ask the question, well, define all nations. 
oh, I can't go over there. I need, I need to fix myself first before I go over there. This is where everything comes to the head that comes to head with the Jews and Gentiles. It's almost like this, this crumbling of forces cannot go any longer because everything underneath them, their foundation that they put their faith in, their foundation they put their trust in is slowly crumbling underneath them. And it's almost like this light bulb goes into their head that everything that they've been doing their entire life, everything they've been focused on, focusing on their entire life, every time they tried to fix themselves, they really were just trying to save themselves. It's almost like this light bulb, light bulb went over their head in this next part of Scripture. It says this, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace may be granted to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believe. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver, though, unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us whom believe in Him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, He will deliver over death for our sins and was raised to life for our transgressions. This is the good news. This is the uh, the whole thing that's been coming to a head over time where you got the Jews and Gentiles fighting and fighting, and then Paul finally brings them together and says, this is the good news. We've been talking about how there's a point in our life where we will be credited as righteous. Whenever you believe in Jesus, there will be a point in your life that righteousness will come to you. See, the thing is, righteous people go to heaven. When God credits you as righteous, when he says you are righteous, that is how you go to heaven. This is the ticket. This is the way. This is the gift that so many people in society and so many Christians for generations have been searching for. This is what people so desperately want in their life. This approval, this credit that has been placed on a life that allows eternity. But there's an important point 
in all of this that we need to understand. At what point did Abraham receive righteousness? This is very important because we talk about this all the time in church. We talk about this when we take communion. We talk about it in our songs, in our lyrics. We, we read scripture over and over and over again. But for some reason, we don't live as though we believe it. See, Abraham was credited when he believed that God was going to provide him an offspring at 100 years old. It's not after his kid was born. It's not after he did all of those amazing things. It's not after he became the father of a great nation. It was before all of that that he was credited as righteous. Abraham was given eternity before he did anything for God. He was given eternity when he had faith that God was going to do what he said. So I have a question for you guys. If you knew that you were going to heaven today, if you, if you knew that you were going to go to heaven, there's no doubt about it, would you change the way you live? See, when Abraham was given that promise at around age 100, he completely changed his life. He started preparing and living as though he was going to be a father at age 100. He, he trusted what God was going to say. And at that point, he was credited as righteous. It didn't matter through the failures, through the frustration, through the heartache, and through all the victories. God, before all of that, credited to him as righteous. And he completely changed his life according to the promise that God made. We even have David. He was anointed as a king at a very young age, and wasn't going to be king until the next king died. Through the full devotion, through the ups and downs of being a servant of Saul, through the failures of war, failures of marriage and murder, God even, after all of that, said that David was the man after God's own heart. Whenever he was anointed and believed God in what he said, he changed his life completely to follow God. We even have Paul, once zealous, a, a zealous Jew that murdered Christians, that threw them in jail, that had no desire for this Christian way to continue, had a complete change in his life, a complete 180 in his life, when he had faith in Jesus. It wasn't until all he, he planted all those churches, it wasn't until he spoke to the Jews and non-Jews and tried to combine them together as we read in Romans. It was way before that when he was credited and when he had faith in Jesus Christ. I'd like to share a story of when I first became a Christian and how I, I, I believe that I completely read the situation wrong. See, it's very good to understand that I became a Christian at 17. I had, had very little church background. Uh, and whenever I became a Christian... My life changed completely. Like it was very noticeable when somebody did not go to church and then became a Christian within six months. Their life, my life, completely changed. And if you met somebody like that, you have seen a major change in their life. But I went to church with trying to figure out 
what was the most important thing in being a Christian? Like, if I was going to change my life completely, what are the things that I'm going to devote myself to? What are the things that I'm going to make sure that change in my life immediately so that outside people, so that even other Christians know that I am a Christian? So what I did is I started to watch every situation in the church. I started to watch people, what they said, what they valued, what they talked about. And I just started to listen to try to make sure that I changed my life based on the Christians that were around me. But what I started to watch and see, I realized that it started to make me kind of sad. See, I wanted to make sure I understood the culture and I wanted to learn. But what I gathered from watching these people for about a year and a half before I went to college was that they valued being a good person over everything. That when they went to church and and what people saw of them was more important than anything in their life. That they, as long as you go to church every single Sunday, as long as you went to church on Wednesday nights too, you watched what you said, you didn't drink, you didn't gamble on horses, you didn't smoke, you didn't have sex before marriage, you stood up for this American Christian moral code, then you're good. Then you're good. As long as people understood that that's what you did, man, that's great. And this, this Rob, so long ago, a baptized believer in youth ministry, skipped forward to age of 24, That's almost seven years of being a Christian through university. That probably didn't help much in this scenario. I still viewed church that way. Even in my early years of ministry. That I, when I look back on it, I valued people being a good person over having devoted faith in Jesus Christ. That if I had a senior in my, in my youth group, thank goodness I didn't my first year. That if they went to church every single Sunday, they came to Wednesday youth group, they watched what they said, they didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't gamble on horses, they didn't have sex before their marriage, and they stood up for this American Christian moral code, then I was a successful youth minister. But thank goodness, I had this mentor in my life that grabbed a hold of me. And he sat me down, I still remember this to this day. He sat me down, he asked me to lunch. He was an older minister. And whenever I got this job, he started sharing stories about his time in ministry. He started sharing stories about how he would go to strip clubs before they opened and feed the ladies meals. And just love on them. And, he, and, then the, and then he would stay up and wait for them to exit out the back door when they were done doing their job. And he would give them another meal and water and try to give them anything that they needed. He told me stories about how his daughter got pregnant when she was in high school and he was a minister. And how God completely redeemed her heart. And now she makes a huge impact in teen mothers. And people who have been married before marriage and don't have that support system. He told me stories about the inner city kids that he ministered in Louisville and the biker gangs that he would bring along with him to every Bible study. 
And he went on and on and on about all of these people. And I realized that if God viewed me as righteous, maybe I should view people the way that God views them rather than the way that I learned when I was an early Christian. That maybe having faith in Jesus Christ is more important than not gambling. Maybe having faith in Jesus Christ is more important than going to church every Sunday or going to every single Bible study or watching what you say. Now, those things are important. But the most important thing in our life should be having faith in Jesus Christ. And that people, these type of people that do not follow the moral code that I thought was right, that those people have an opportunity to go to heaven too. That when they, have an, when they have faith in Jesus Christ, that they receive the same credit as righteousness that I did. In this part of Romans, we get this amazing airplane view on how God views us. I don't know your background on where you came from, every single one of you. But I know that we need to bring this back to the forefront of the church. That instead of trying to create and multiply good people, we create and multiply and push people towards a faith that cannot be penetrated. A faith in Jesus that is credited as righteous, and we know people are going to heaven. I think we need to focus on that first before we focus on anything moral after that. See, God's goal is not for us to be good people. But God's goal for us is to have faith in His Son first. Then, out of that, we will produce fruit. But there cannot be fruit if we're not connected first. Until we receive that credit that Paul talks about. This is so important. Because maybe, maybe, we will stop expecting non-Christians to act like Christians. Maybe we will stop going into the town. Maybe we'll stop going into our culture and pointing the fingers like we saw in Romans 2. Maybe we'll stop pulling back on God so much because the culture is not following what we want. But we see that first we need, just need to point people towards Jesus. Because I believe that God doesn't need our story. Thank you. Should I say that again? Check, check. Can you guys hear me? Is it working? No? Oh. Mikey pressed that mute button. Check, check. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking, Mikey. Anyways, um, I think it's very, very important that we put faith in Jesus first before anything else. I think it's very, very, very important that we put our faith in Jesus first before we see any fruit. Because I think if we focus on being good people, we can live our life completely for ourselves and we will forget the righteousness that God gives to us. 
I understand that most of this is hard for us to believe because we have been built up and we have been raised up to make sure that we fix ourselves. We live in a culture that we need to make sure we have the right answer. We need to make sure that after high school we know what career we're going to go to. We need to have an answer for everything in our life so that we can be successful. But in the Christian faith, the counteraction to culture is that we don't have to have an answer. We're supposed to have faith in Jesus Christ. This is really difficult because God encourages us to share that good news about Jesus with everybody. And this is really difficult. I know it's, it's hard to impose or propose what you believe, but from my experience, the easier it is, it becomes more and more easy when we truly believe that God has credited us righteous. When we stop believing that we're just trying to live a good moral life and we focus on the faith in the resurrection of Jesus, which has credited us righteousness, we believe this is such good news that we cannot help but share that with everybody. See, the number one reason people don't share their faith with non-believers is because we have a hard time believing that we have been credited the righteousness that God shares in the Scriptures. We have a hard time putting our true faith in the fact that God says that it is by faith alone that you will go to heaven, not by the works. How many of you guys have had a great teacher in your life? Like, I've had a lot of great teachers. I've had a lot of great mentors in my life. But I want to share one thing with you that one of my mentors did that really made me buy into what he was talking about. I'm going to ask the band to come up while I share this. One of the best teachers I ever had uh, in my life was a professor. And he told us before the class started that this is the most important lesson that he will share throughout this entire semester. And I think he started to realize that we were tired. I think our class was after lunch. We all were sleepy, and he had this really long prayer, and he always turned off the lights before his prayer. And we're all like kind of dazed as he flips the lights back on after this probably five-minute prayer. And about three minutes into this lecture, he stops what he's saying, and he asked all of us to just go back to our dorms. He said, this is the most important lesson. I need you guys to be focused, and you're not focused right now, so you guys just go back, and we'll try again later. And he wrote us an email later, and I'll never forget. He apologized for sending us back. He said that probably wasn't right to do. But he said, this is the most important thing that I will share with you this semester. So please come back in two days and be prepared for this lesson. And with that, with that energy that he shared, every single person was there at that class. There wasn't a single absent person in that class that day. And it was so quiet the entire time. Just hands, you could just hear the graphite on paper just squeaking away as, they were, as we were all just taking notes, listening to every single word that came out of his mouth. It was almost like if you took the ACT and you're not allowed to talk and you could just hear the bubbling in. That's what it sounded like. I hadn't heard that in five or six years. And at the end of the lesson, he said this. You all were here because I told you I cared. 
People will listen to what you say if you share that you care. That was the whole point of that whole lesson. See, I believe that God has never let go of the rope. That even though we pull back on God and we're doing this tug-of-war match, it seems, between us and God as we, as we started in the last, as we started last week, what we realize here, that we view this rope as a tug-of-war match because we're told our entire life that there's somebody on the other side that we need to fight against. But maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't view this rope as a tug-of-war match. But we should view this rope as a path to who's connected on the other side. That instead of having every opportunity to just pull back to see what we can get out of it, to see how we can get further in our life, we completely flip the idea of, wait a minute, the person on the other side of this rope is God. So maybe we should just follow it and have faith in him. That is what we need to share with the culture. It's not being a better person. It's not telling them they're going to go to hell if they don't follow the moral code that we have in our minds that we've all been taught from a very young age. But giving them the rope and saying, the person, the being on the other side of this rope has credited you righteousness if you have faith to follow this rope. And that will change a culture. That will change a city. And that will change a church thinking that we just need to be good people and changing it to a group of people that are devoted and have changed their life because of the righteousness and faith in Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for showing us that we have this rope in front of us that we've pulled back on so heavy over the years. Thank you for showing us that even though we pull back, you're still there. You're still on the other side. You're still on the end. And thank you for taking the time to show us that it's not through all the good things that we need to do. It's not the moral code. It's not the moral things that we need to do. It's not the doing right or being a good person. But it's just holding on to that rope and following that rope and finding you. God, please show us that today. Please change our hearts. I'm asked this all in your son's name. Amen.